By the time you hear this podcast, you'll be prepared to go one step beyond racism. Hey, you! Don't watch that! Watch this! This is the heavy, heavy monster sound! The nuttiest sound around! So if you're coming off the street and you're beginning to feel the heat, well, listen, buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockinest, rock-steady beat of madness! One step beyond! Welcome to, by the time you hear this podcast, I'm Greg. I'm Ben. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) And welcome to episode 127. Okay. I don't know the significance of that. I don't either. Let's type it in here. 127. Uh, Let's see here. What's the significance? Um, it is a natural number following 126 and preceding 128. Thanks for that. Wikipedia. Thanks, math. That's uh, <laughs> that one's pretty obvious. Uh, yeah, I don't see anything. I mean, there's stuff, but nothing that relates to anything. Oh wait, NC- NCT 127 is a K-pop boy. I don't know if I want to be associated with that. Mm, I, yeah. Sonnet 127, William Shakespeare. Well, he he wrote a bunch of those. Yeah. There's nothing special about this number. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, welcome to episode 127 of By the Time You Hear This Podcast. (laughs) Thank you to everyone who's listened and followed us so far. If you want to tell people uh, where we can be found, you can tell them to go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. Uh, You can also follow us on Instagram or the gram or IG. Depending on your age, I guess. Love of coolness. <laughs> uh, we are at by the time you hear this, spelled with the letter U. Now the Facebook URL Y O U. On Instagram, we spell it with a U because we're urban. Yes, we are. Yes. And you, that is also our email address. By the time you hear this, the urban spelling um, <laughs> at Gmail. Dot com by the time you hear this at gmail.com. And if you want to listen to us on the go and putting your earbuds to avoid that annoying coworker because you still have to go into the office despite the current uh, public health crisis we mm-hmm. are enduring. Mm-hmm. But you still have to deal with that annoying coworker who won't stop talking about Beyonce's short film. <laughs> was it Black is King? Black is King. I didn't know it was a short film. I thought it was a, a, a feature length. I thought or I, it's a visual album. I I don't. Oh. I, it's something. And maybe it was just made just to fulfill the contract. Oh. Um, Frank Ocean style. People know who we don't give a break anymore. We don't give. Yeah. A break. We don't. Yeah. No more breaks for Frank Ocean. Time is up. <laughs> we, appre- we appreciate the finesse game that he pulled, <laughs> but no more breaks. Yeah. Of course. That that is of course a throwback to our last episode. Yes. 
Uh, but you can listen to us if you have an iPhone. We're on the Apple Podcast app. If you have an Android, we're on the Google Music app or the Google Podcast app, depending on where they actually move stuff because they're they're making a few changes. Uh, we're also on the TuneIn app uh, and other podcast aggregate apps such as Auto Radio, Overcast, Castbox, um, Satchel Podcast Player, the Podcast app, Castro Podcast, and Pocket Cast, and of course we're on Spotify. Um, we talk about music, so why not a music streaming service in which podcasts are also um, uh, housed or yeah. published? That's the, I'm telling you, that's their thing, man. They're trying to become, and, and they're trying to corner the market on the podcast, yeah. of course. Netflix or Disney Plus of pod, whatever you want to call it, that of podcasts is what they want to be. So yeah, um, if we if we were the 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 music some music act of podcasts. What do you think we would be? The music act of podcast. The easy answer is JC Chazay because we don't stick to <laughs> one type of place. music. We're all over the place. But I'm trying to think of like bands that do that also as an act, you know, but I can't think because typically you, st- I mean, I know this is kind of a, a, a weird one, but John Mayer maybe because he, he started out as kind of like douchebag, like pop rock, pop rock, frat you know. boy rock. Yeah, and then he moved into more rock rock, which I know they're sort of the same genres, but they're still like the same people. We're not going to his shows. No. And then he started doing jazz. Like he did a Her- he did a song with Herbie Hancock. Then he had a blues trio, and now he's doing folk. No, he did folk, and now he's doing like dance music, like dance pop. Yeah, like he's just kind of been like, but I mean. He got a couple of Grammys. He has some platinum albums, and now he's doing what everyone wants to do, whatever the hell he wants. Like he has a weekly show on Instagram. <laughs> like he just does. I I really think he's just like enjoying life. It's like he retired, and I don't know if he's still under contract or if he is. They're just like we don't care what you do, John. Just have fun. <laughs> but maybe like that, just you know, we just like what are we feeling this week, man? Like I don't know, man. Let's talk about. Let's talk about how all music is black music. All right, that's cool. All right, this week we're going to talk about, like, this, or we're going to talk about that, or Madonna. We're, we're just all over the place. I wouldn't have it any other way, by the way. I I, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. No. <laughs> Being able to do whatever you want. It could get boring if you just, you know, you know, not no shade to anybody if, it's, if this was just, like, strictly hip-hop or strictly pop or strictly, like, it'd get boring. Yeah. It would get very boring. Um. So let's get into some music news. Uh, after our long hiatus, our first episode was about uh, was a documentary about the murder of hip hop mm. icon legend Jason Mizell, better known as Jam Master J from Run DMC. Um, he was murdered in, inside his uh, recording studio in 2002. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it on that particular episode. But I remember my English professor telling me. I don't like he told I, he told the class. I, I think I just saw it on um, and th- I could be wrong here, but I want to think I saw it. You know how they used to do like at the top of every hour, like ten minutes before. Yeah. MTV News. I think I saw it on that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think I saw it on that. I know I saw it on MTV, but I think it was that particular program. It could be Kurt Loader, but I also could be lying. <laughs> 
It could have been Kurt Loder. Because I don't know if he was still doing it then. He might have still been doing it. Him and um, the other guy. Let's see, so at the time, he was like, what, 75? Because he's like 100 Who, now. Kurt Loder? <laughs> <laughs> Much older than he looks. It's yeah. kind of weird, but yeah. yeah it's, the, it's the hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, the reason why we bring this up is that federal prosecutors announced earlier this week charges against two men accused of the murder. And at a press conference, uh, Seth Ducharme, I'm not sure if I'm not pronouncing that right, but he's the acting U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of New York, said Carl Jordan Jr. and Ronald Washington had been charged with murder in uh, uh, Mizell's death, Jam Master J in his death. Ducharme didn't go into details about what led to the charges, but said, today we begin to answer that question, who killed Jason Mizell and why? Now, um, this was about four months ago that we did that yeah. particular episode. So I, I'm trying to remember the the names of who, because some people had some theories, of course, in that documentary. Mm-hmm. And I, Ronald Washington was definitely one of those names. I'm going to see if I can pull my notes real quick. Uh, that, that name sticks out to me. I'm not so sure about Carl, Carl Jordan Jr., but Ronald Washington was a name that came up quite a bit. And some people thought it was him, but they just couldn't. They they had not a lot to go on, not a lot of proof, um, hard to prove motive, but maybe somebody found something to where they're able to go ahead with charges. Um, so according to the new documents, it was allegedly over a drug deal because that was a theory yeah. that uh, Jay had gotten involved in, in drugs. Yeah. And prosecutors said that Mizell was involved in trafficking cocaine across state lines and that he had 10 kilograms of cocaine that Washington was supposed to sell in Maryland. Mizell then told Washington that he was being cut from the deal, which led to Washington and Jordan allegedly conspiring to kill him as retaliation. Mm. So, I, But that was one of the theories of like a drug deal going yeah. bad. We, well, I know we mentioned that, right? I know that show, that yeah. was in the documentary, but yeah. like as one of the theories as, as what to my what might have happened. But th- I know his family was very against saying like he yeah, would have done never, that. Yeah, they they're said, like, they no, he didn't sell drugs. It. He didn't do anything with drugs. Yeah. Um, but you know he the the it's like every people who weren't related to him, um. Uh, kind of went on went along with that yeah. like that is a possibility mm-hmm. uh but it, he just didn't seem that kind of person i mean who knows what kind of personality a drug dealer actually has if they're good you don't know if they're good if they're good you don't know that <laughs> yeah. they're a drug dealer that's yes, supposed exactly. to be the point yeah um but they said uh the, the attorney said then the two entered the studio the night of the murder and ultimately executed myself According to court documents, um, it received on and off uh, attention from the authorities as well as the media. And the the this article does mention the the documentary that we did an episode on. Um, so, uh, if both charged, Jordan and Washington face at least a twenty year sentence. Washington is already serving time for robbery. So, um, so I guess this kind of answers our question because one of the conclusions that we came to was maybe this is just one that no one cares about. Yeah. While all the while 
I mean, maybe they're just investigating hardcore behind the scenes. Let's not show all of our, you know, let's not show of our, our hand. Yeah. And then they just make this, you know, blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's arrest two people um, with what seems like pretty good evidence. So. Maybe, you know, maybe it's a good thing if these things don't stay in the eye of the media. You know, because maybe you can do some good police work if it's not there, you know. Yeah. And, and, and if you get the real guys, then, you know, maybe they're lulled into a false sense of security. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they'll slip up in some way. Yeah. Because I think a lot of um, from what we see, just, you know, based on watching TV shows and movies. Yeah. A lot of times you see like that lead detective have an idea of who the culprit is. Yeah. Uh, but they just don't have any proof yet. So they they just keep an eye on that one person who they think it is just based on a yeah. hunch. <laughs> but so it depends on what show you're watching. But you, sometimes you gotta do plant. more. Yeah. You got <laughs> you, you gotta do better than a hunch and sometimes they'll go too far to try to make that make that um to to create proof. <laughs> Every other to create evidence. <laughs> But uh, I, I, it's one of those things from I, I agree that behind the scenes, um, people were still investigating. Because mm-hmm. so, you don't, come, I don't yeah. think they make this arrest just off of like a month or two of work. <laughs> well, they've had eighteen years. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's, it, they weren't just like, hey guys, you know that Gem Master J thing? I thought about picking it back up again. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, so I mean, like, and I wonder if well, it's it's probably it probably won't be as I don't want to say entertaining, but as like complex and intriguing as the because uh, I um, we don't have to do an episode on it, but the mini series about Tupac and Biggie's murders mm-hmm. and the one cop who had the theory yeah. that it was a cop who killed mm-hmm. um, a cop who killed Biggie. Yeah. And it was. Wasn't Johnny Depp going to be in that? I'm yeah, well, the movie the movie was made, but after okay, Johnny yeah. Depp's domestic violence issues, it was um, put on hold, which turned out to be that's false. a that's a different movie. Yeah, okay, okay, that's a different movie. The miniseries on USA had uh, a different actor in that same role, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the the actual cop who investigated, like he he had a heart attack while talking to some cops oh, about the case. Okay, I do remember that now. Okay. So yeah, I don't know if there'll be that kind of series about Jam Master J. Maybe a, um, maybe a film. It depends on if there's enough to to go on there. But mm-hmm. um, I just hope that the family and the close friends yeah, find some matters. kind of peace yeah. with this. Um, find some some closure to know what really happened because this is definitely one of hip hop's forgotten mysteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. It's some some form of good news for them. Um, Moving on to something that uh, we definitely don't pay much attention to. (laughs) Um, American Idol will have the same judges next season. How many seasons has it been back again? Uh, They are going they will be going into their 19th season. See here. What was the break? Because I think they came back in, did it say 2017? 
they came back in 2018, so they've been back for a couple of seasons, it seems. Well, this will be their fourth season together, so I guess they do two a year. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know who won. I mean, like, like I the episode think... we talked about, like, after Fantasia yeah. or after um, Adam Lambert, <laughs> I have no idea who these other people are that have been winning. I don't even know who the last winner was. Let's see if I can find a list. I mean, like, like we're going to know them because this, the winners don't, you know, the music industry has. And I mean, and honestly, like not to do another episode on this thing, but the music industry has changed so much, even since we did that episode. Yeah. Has changed so much that the way in which you make a star is different. And it, this just does not work anymore. The way you make, the way that they're making it, it, stars, it, you you become a, a music star on the internet. Yeah, it's all it's about going viral. It's about the single and not the album. And it's not even the people who sing. It it, it, it works best for rappers. Mm-hmm. So there's a very very interesting video I've got to send you, where um, because you know I, like we've said on here every I don't want to say marginalized genre. But I guess marginalized and that like they're not talked about anymore says my genre is dying. R&B is dying. Rock is dying. And this guy who runs this channel, who I would love it if he ever heard our show, the NBA, um, the Rock NBA podcast. He talks about that, how rock artists claim that their genre is dying, but you don't have people that want to be rock stars anymore. And he's like, the rock stars are now the rappers. Right. He's like, they're the ones they're entertaining. They're engaging with their fans like they know how to use and what con- you have and the, nowadays. The content is brought right to them. Yeah. Like and they um, if they do it right, they have control over that. Over yeah. What content they put out. They can um, like a lot of rap music can be made very more easily than mm-hmm. the probably the, the e- easier would probably be EDM. <laughs> Press play on your laptop. Let me stop. Marjorie, press me this stop. button. Anyway, that's that's a real uh, genre. I'm sorry, guys. But <laughs> don't fight me. <laughs> people can like mess around and think they're they're great EDM artists by mm-hmm. pressing a couple of buttons. But if rappers, if they don't make the beats themselves, they they can easily find someone who can. Yeah. If you go on YouTube and type a rapper and then add type beat to it. Yep. You've, all you these, it. all these guys who have made these beats are putting their, um, putting their music on YouTube for people to to hear, and maybe they they might steal it and use it as a beat somewhere. But you can prove that it's your beat or something. So I mean, I feel like there's a risk with doing that. Yeah. But um, I think there was I can't remember which rapper it was. It might have been like. Um, Lil Baby or Roddy Rich or something. Yeah. Like they were on YouTube because they were, you know, he was going to record new music and he just went on YouTube and typed. If it was, I don't know if it was Roddy Rich, but for example, Roddy Rich typed Roddy Rich type beat on YouTube (laughs) and found one. He's like, oh, I like this one. And he ended up making a song with it. Interesting. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I I kind of agree that like and though and because of the like with the interaction with fans yeah. and, so and engaging he, them and and people are you don't have to have like uh, chart topping songs exactly you really don't like if you Paramore is a great example of that they didn't hit Billboard until 
Um, Ain't It Fun. They didn't really hit Billboard until Ain't It Fun, but we're one of the bigger acts, you know, rock acts in America. But Haley's a star. There's a there's a show, <laughs> um, there's a show that I worked on where they had um, uh, it was this one guy I I had never heard of him. Uh, he had done a song with Gucci, I guess. <laughs> um, that uh, that was had some radio play or, or something. Yeah. It had it had some some notoriety, and um, not saying that like, oh well, who is he? I've never heard of him, but like I had never heard of him. Yeah. And there was a section where they were going to take calls, and the phone lines just flooded, like. Mm. I I couldn't answer the phones fast enough <laughs> to um you know for people to you know show their love or you know say like or ask questions or or whatever for this guy. So he has he has a fan base for and sure. He's probably very engaged with them. Yeah. And rock and they just don't want to be he you know he mentions someone like uh, Fred Durst. And it's like you think of Fred Durst you're like oh that D-bag with the red hat. But that D-bag with the red hat stayed in the news. Yeah. <laughs> he kept Limp Biscuit relevant. And they don't want to do that nowadays. And I guess that all goes to kind of talk about how like you make how you make a star nowadays. And so to to answer your question, someone named Just Sam is who won the most recent American Idol. Her name is Samantha Diaz and she is from Harlem. How many singles she got out? Uh uh, exactly. I'm, lo- <laughs> no, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking. She's 21, so she's got a she's got a while to go. But I don't see. I like. She has a. It says non competition perform. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If she's trying to do gospel. Is she trying to do, be the next Ruben Stutter? Because she did a song with Lauren Daig or Lauren Daigle. Um, and she did a. Okay, so these are just performances though yeah i don't see it doesn't she hasn't done anything yet who's the let's see who the previous year singer luke oh lane hardy excuse me lane hardy and that is a guy and uh he has blue christmas flame and then he none, none of these did well okay his album is called In the Bayou. I'm going to assume he's from Louisiana. he's from Louisiana, okay? Otherwise, why would you have it called Down in the Bayou? Um yeah. so yeah, that that's what American Idol has become. Uh some people still believe in it. That's why it's still in the air. Um some people still watch it. Uh, well, they probably don't care about the singers. No, Just get your I mean, ratings. They want their the ratings. people who are watching. They want to see Luke Bryan and Katy Perry, and somebody wants to see Lionel Richie. <laughs> Maybe it's Nicole. That's the only time she sees him. I don't know, but that is weird. Like Lionel Richie, like I. Uh, and then Ryan Seacrest, um, who women are just obsessed yeah. with. Yeah. Women ages eighteen to seventy five love <laughs> Ryan Seacrest <laughs> for some reason. Um, I, I, and I so, hardest working man. You know what, is, man. what's weird for me is like, <laughs> and I, I may have said this before. He's like our current Dick Clark. Oh yeah, he is, and that's the thing. So people make jokes about him, but I will say when you know I I studied this stuff. I know you studied broadcast as well. 
I studied it. When I when I when Chris and I went to that audition, he was on. Like when the camera started rolling, he was on. He did not miss his mark. He's good at what he does. And and on top of that, the guy's on like four shows at a time. Like he's on the what's the the morning one that used to be Regis and Kathy Lee? Oh, now it's uh Kelly Ripa and Friends, whoever the hell she wants to bring on. Is she still doing it? Or or maybe Kiki and Michael have their own show. I it's something like that, but he's on one of those. Yeah, one of those on Good Morning America live shows. Live with Kelly and Ryan. Um, oh, okay, okay. He's the other half. Yeah, he's okay. he's the other half now. And he still does radio because that's where he started, you know, in case <laughs> he kind of takes the whole face for radio thing. <laughs> Just like, and he does American Idol. Um, and on top of that, he's still doing production. He does he took okay. over for Dick Clark. See, see, see how this crazy okay. He's 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 doing live with Reed, uh, Kelly and Ryan. He's almost there. So he's taking he's taking Regis's job. Yeah. Okay. He's got um, Dick Clark's rocking Eve. Dick Clark's rocking. So he's taking Dick Clark's job. Mm-hmm. He hosts American Idol, which I, has he's been, outlasted everyone. Which is inspired by Star Search. Yeah. So he's taking Ed McMahon's job. Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> he has a radio show, so he's taking Casey Casey's job. Ah. <laughs> Every person. <laughs> <laughs> he's coming for everybody, man. And he's also um, the executive producer for Keep It Up With The Kardashians. <laughs> so he's taking some person whose name we don't know's job. I, whoever's the, whoever was the king of reality TV, it ain't you no more. If he gets a jumper, he's going to take LeBron's job. He's <laughs> like, so I can do anything. Yeah, this dude, he is, he's, that's why I say he's one of the hardest working people in showbiz. He doesn't sleep. I can't imagine he doesn't, but like I, as much money as he's making, I have to imagine that he's okay. The easiest job has to be keeping it with Kardashians. I mean, what does he actually have to do? Just signs off. <laughs> like, okay, are they living in L.A. or Miami this time? L.A. All right. Okay, can we film Kanye? Okay, we can't film Kanye. Okay, we'll we'll figure something out. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's off to somewhere else to see Crestland. Um, but we're we brought about American Idol because of how they have done their auditions. You know, in the in the era of the Rona. Um, BC. Uh, there is a. I'm looking at the Billboard article. There is a link if you want to audition for anyone who wants to audition virtually. Hey. Um, some you can get real time feedback for really? your audition from, from producers, um, and you can from wherever you are, you can audition. Um, I would say if, if anyone out yeah. there listening audition, send us your tape. We'd like to. We'll plug you. We'll talk about you. Yeah. We'll we'll you know kind of give us an idea of how this goes. Yeah. Even though I'm not terribly interested in American Idol. Oh, anymore. I'm not interested. I'm just. This is a very interesting process, though. I wish but, they would have done yeah. this a long time ago, because I waited in line for hours, and uh, I was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess you look forward to that. I mean, it's it's clearly the I, I've said this more about the voice but it's clearly this way with American Idol it's about the judges mm-hmm. the singers don't matter yeah anymore well I think and it's always about the, it's always been about the judges but the voice took it up a notch yeah so where they were just like let's just get not like these are gonna be the biggest personalities the biggest guests judge are the biggest guests mentors or whatever and like the, the reason we are, don't the reason why like Gwen Stefani makes one song a year. With Blake Shelton, the voice money, man. 
she's probably making thirty million dollars a year. Uh, did you realize? Yeah. Did you know she's older than him? I didn't know that. She's like fifty. <laughs> well, that makes sense. I, it just it kind of blew me away because I, you know, no doubt. I, I guess the nineties to me still don't seem like they were that long ago, even though yeah. they're like thirty years ago. Yeah, but like, don't speak is from ninety four. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's insane. A band that was inspired by what we're going to talk about later. But yes. yeah, that was insane. Like, I looked that up. Like, not only is she older than him, but she's in her fifties. And yeah, she is probably pulling thirty a year just from being Gwen Stefani. Yeah, she she doesn't have to make any more music. I mean, she if she's making music, it's only because she wants to. And the people who watch it don't know what "Don't Speak" is, hey. or if they do, they don't know that she sang it. <laughs> that's, no doubt. That's so sad, isn't it? That's the band that like gave Gwen, to start, Gwen Stefani her there breakout. People, there are people who know Gwen Stefani as Blake Shelton's fiance, mm-hmm. and nothing else. Yeah, sad. <sighs> Until you <laughs> mentioned it just a few minutes ago, I forgot they were together. I thought they had. I thought they had broken up mm. um, because she didn't want to do the show anymore, and he was why cool. not? <laughs> well. It, it, she probably saw what we see as far as what the show is. It was like, I don't want to be a part of she this. She felt bad. We'll give you $40 billion. Oh. Okay, okay. Okay. All right. Okay. That's more than a half. Was it Gavin? Like, in my mind, I still, she's still Gavin Rossdale. She's still with Gavin Rossdale. <laughs> and then, and, and the true, the true Gwen fans still see her with Tony. Oh God! <laughs> they still see her with Tony. Oh man! Even though she wrote all those songs about him, so that's an interesting like because it's like you go from Tony to Gavin to Blake. So clearly, you have a thing you 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 want to date musicians, but like the type of musician you're dating is just yeah. like you go from dating like a ska, ska musician to post grunge to country. To country. <laughs> it's just like it's I guess it's just where she was mentally. She's like, now I'm like, you know, a nice house with a white picket fence. You know, that's what Blake Well, can she give did me. write a song called Simple Kind of Life. So, yep, that's she was ahead of her time. <laughs> she got what she wanted. I, it looks, sounds like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's look at the, uh, the charts here. Um, we got a new number one on the Hot 100. Uh, it debuts at number one. It, it's controversial. We I mentioned it on the last episode. I figured it it had a chance to be number one. Oh, I knew it was going to be number one. It's a uh, WAP. Cardi B making the stallion. The song that is just pissing off conservatives. Not just conservatives. It's. I feel like it's pissing off a lot of insecure black men. That too. Yeah. Which could be considered conservative if we're being honest. They just don't vote conservative, but there was this guy. A lot of conservative there, values. I can't remember. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can pull up the tweet here, but there was a a guy who um, it's not he's ben a Shapiro, senator. Is it? Okay, I thought you were talking about Ben Shapiro. Oh no, no, no! His one, his his reaction was hilarious, and the fact that everyone is just going in on him. Um, that his wife, I'm, I'm not. Just look it up. This is a family show. Just look it up, Ben Shapiro and WAP, and and have a good laugh. There was a guy who, um, see if I can pull it up here, but he said that he, um, he listened to the song and he, it's they're they're a bad example for young girls everywhere. And mm-hmm. 
Um, and he said he listened to the song accidentally. I'm like, really? Yeah, I saw that. Who listens to a song accidentally? Accidentally. You're switching stations and you went over to the hip hop station. You went too far from the easy listening. Um, Where's my Little River Band? This isn't Little River Band. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. It it was, this was like last week, but um, yeah, it was, he was, he's a senator or he's running for Congress or something like that. But he said he listened to the song accidentally. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you didn't. You, you did not. You actively searched that on YouTube because you wanted to see yeah. that video like everyone else. I guarantee you if you if, if Google were to release <laughs> his search history, he <laughs> <laughs> um, probably spelt it the yeah, offensive it way first. He probably spelled it like the Italian, the Italian slur. It was like, oh, it's not spelled like that? Then how's it spelled? That's right. That, yeah, he was probably make, doing making some joke about Italians. Yeah, and and misspelled what he was looking for. And because this is a family show, we're not going to say that word, even though it's the name of the song. So we, <laughs> so we kind of have to. <laughs> but we're not using it in that way. We do not condone discrimination. Hear it by the time you hear this podcast. Um. Oh wait. Hold on, I know where I can find it. I Do you go. still get on Twitter? I I have an account. That's all I will say. I get on every now and then. I was following. I'm ashamed to say this. Um, not Jason Derulo, but Jason Whitlock. <sighs> Had to unfollow him. Yeah. Couldn't get down with that. Um. You know what? Can't find it. Oh well. <laughs> but yeah, he said he watched accidentally. But you know, we're, we're pretty sure that he did not. Oh, and so, I know he did not. <laughs> uh, so that's number one debuting at number one. Number two, Rockstar, the baby featuring Roddy Rich. Um, number three, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Number four, What's Poppin', Jack Harlow, featuring the baby, Tory Lanes, and Lil Wayne. Um. We're coming to a part, uh, uh, an, an era now where Lil Wayne is the elder statesman. Yeah. Um, I saw him in some video and I didn't know that he was still in the league. And he's probably that guy that like, hey, man, we got a legend coming in, man. Lil Wayne's coming through. And it's just like, that's, yeah, he's the, he's he he's old to them. Yeah. <laughs> like, man, I bought I bought the block is hot. Came out was in, we were in high school, man. The block is hot is a almost a twenty year old album. Yeah, that's scary. Lil Wayne's been around a very he long no time. More. <laughs> uh, well, he ain't young Wayne, but um, <laughs> number five, Watermelon Sugar by Harry Styles. I've still not heard this song. I might check it out tonight, but yeah, I haven't heard it either. Roses by Saint John. Same. Savage Love. Uh, by Josh685 and Jason Derulo. Number eight, Smile by Juice World and The Weeknd. Number nine, Go Crazy, Chris Brown and Young Thug. And number 10, Before You Go by Louis Capaldi. So he's not a one-hit wonder. Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> Billboard 200, these are the albums. 
debuting at number one. Wait, sorry, not debuting at number one, but it's still number one. Yeah. <laughs> Folklore by Taylor Swift. Number two, Juice World, Legends Never Die. Number three, Pop Smoke, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon. Number four, Pray for Love by Rod Wave. I didn't know you had new stuff out. That's awesome. Number five, Born Here, Live Here, Die Here by Luke Bryan, debuting at number five. Number six, Hamilton, an American musical, the original soundtrack, original Broadway recording. Uh, it has been on the charts for, what's that, time. five years? 255 <laughs> weeks. I didn't realize that was, a, I, guess, I didn't realize it was that old, but I guess it is. So um, if the kids are still streaming it on Disney+, Plus. That's probably where that's coming from. <laughs> yeah. Number seven, Dreamland by Glass Animals, debuting at number seven. Number eight, Blame It On Baby by The Baby. Number nine, My Turn by Lil Baby. And debuting at number 10, Top Shot Up by NLE Choppa, who just graduated from high school. So much music out there. <laughs> <laughs> so much music. <clears throat> All right, Artist 100. Um... You know, it's from the last episode, uh, Taylor Swift had three songs in the top ten. Mm-hmm. This past week, none. Are we sure this album's good? I I think the surprise release and the subsequent, oh, let's go listen to all of these songs at once, kind of did that because, you know, streaming counts a lot more now. Yeah. Um. I still stand by what I said. It's the album that her fans deserve. I still don't think it is her best album. I think it's just that it's kind of like how you remember back in the day where like uh, if like a rock band wanted to show that they were like serious musicians, they do a blues based album. That's what this is for her. That's all it is. Didn't Poison do that? Yeah, theirs wasn't good. (laughs) (laughs) They got a great Richie Cotton play guitar on it and he shredded it up. But like it was. It was the same crap, you know. They tried it. They were just like, we can do And it's just like, no, nah, we don't take you serious. I liked it, but it just, you can kind of hear where there were some crap performances. But that was what bands did. They're like, we're going to strip it down. We're going to go back to basics and show that we're real musicians. And this is this is her, you know, doing the same thing. And the songs are a little bit better than they have been. But, I mean, it's, you know, there was just like, like oh. Taylor Swift, and now that it's kind of dying down. I'm surprised the album's still number one. I am very surprised at that. But right. yeah. Um, so the artist 100, Taylor Swift's number yeah, one. I don't know. Number two, Juice <laughs> World. Number three, Luke Bryan, new album. Number four, BTS. Because um, why not? Right. <laughs> number five, Cardi B. Number six, Megan The Stallion. Number seven, Glass Animals, new album. Mm-hmm. Number eight, Harry Styles. Number nine, Pop Smoke. And number 10, The Weeknd. Uh, there can only be one Luke, man. Luke Luke Bryan gets up there. Luke Combs drops uh, out. Luke, Yep, Luke Combs is dropped to number 15. There can only be one Luke. <laughs> only one Luke at a time. <laughs> um, for Glass Animals, this is the highest they've ever been ranked. I like that. Um, Megan Thee Stallion, this is the highest she has been ranked. And everyone else has been ranked number one at some point as far as the top ten goes. Your boy Kane Brown is in here in the top uh, top 30, I guess. He's at number 21. 
Didn't he go? Didn't you say you saw him at West Georgia? No, we know someone who knows him. Oh, okay, I was I, I I was like, there's some connection there. Uh, just some other bands that are around here in the artist 100. Nirvana's number 100. Oh. I think because somebody bought a shirt from Hot Topic. <laughs> um, Elton John's number 96. Uh, Eminem's number 98. Um, I don't know if his album's any good. People are starting to sour on Eminem. Michael Jackson's number 92. Um, Beyonce's number 86. So did she... Was she even in the top 10 when that visual album came out? I don't know. Well, because like SNL said, she's black now, so people are like, you know, <laughs> she's a little different, you know. Uh, someone you, you mentioned earlier, Lauren Daigle at 85. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But this is interesting that like the further you go down, it's just Deep Purple is number 77. <laughs> Who's Phil, talking about Phil, Deep Purple? Phil Collins is number 55. Who's talking about Phil Collins? <laughs> like, who's talking about these people? Like, who's like, man, Deep Purple, man? <laughs> the Beatles, number 37. And Queen, number 35. What, what, what is there to talk about? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's just funny. But, yeah. Um, oh, and also... An artist we did not, we have not mentioned at all because it seemed like we mentioned him every episode. Sirius Malone is not in the top 10 on any of these charts. Maybe he's on a break then. I don't know. Maybe. But I mean, we also know that like when he wants to get in that top 10, he will get in that top 10. All you gotta do is put out another single. Yeah, he'll get in that top 10. (laughs) Just put out a single. That's all you gotta do. Put out another circles. He'll be. Oh man! Back to taking them serious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Ben, tell us about your earworm of the week. Ain't nothing to talk about here, man. This is some Sugar Ray. <laughs> it's uh, um, I think it's from their third album. Uh, no, their fourth. Because they had Lemonade and Brownies. They had Floored. They had fourteen fifty nine. Because they thought their fifteen minutes of fame was up, and then they had the next one after that. That had some other stuff on it that I don't know, but this one's called "Waiting." Um, I, I <laughs> uh, this might have been their self-titled album. They did a lot of stuff. They're in suits. Are they in suits on this one or something like that? Yeah, on the cover. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's their. It's the self-titled. Yeah, they did. Uh, they did this one on music in high places too, which is a show that needs to come back. It's a really good show, but um, I still maintain that Mark McGrath is just not a good singer. He's just he's just there. <laughs> He's a good-looking dude, and he's just there. And wasn't he on American Idol at one point or some show where you had the judge singers? And I, I felt like he was a judge on – or maybe the one that ABC had. I don't know. In any case, but he, he, I he, felt – Yeah, he, he was in the, the voice competition judge game. I was like, he has no business telling anyone <laughs> that they can or cannot sing. Uh, before we um... – Go to your earworm. The Timberwolves will get the number one pick. Ah. Followed by the Warriors. No. The Hornets and the Bulls. So we we didn't even get a top four pick. No, we did not. No, not for the Hawks. You gotta be kidding me. If they got the number one pick, they had to trade it. 
but fortunately, we're Bradley. Be- Bradley Beal's not coming. I don't okay? want Bradley Beal. I don't want Bradley. Clay Beal. Thompson's not coming. No, I would. I actually would take Clay Thompson. Devin Booker's not coming. We need someone that can play defense next to Trey Young, because let's be real. Okay, he's it's six, none of those players I just mentioned. He's six one, thirty pounds. Like he's just <laughs> he can shoot from like full court, but like he ain't defending nobody. We need like Clay Thompson. I think would be very complimentary. Um, but I know a lot of people want Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. Well, he's he ain't coming here. It would be so dumb for the Timberwolves to pick him, but they probably are because. Why not? That's just what they do. Who do they have playing two right now? Is it Jarrett Culver? Is he still playing the two? Uh, Culver or um, Okogi? Oh, Jason, Josh Okogi? Yeah. He's, he's not bad. He's serviceable. Uh, God, Can I, I get hoping. Anthony Edwards? God, I was hoping we would. The Warriors. The Who would the Warriors take? With the number two pick, whoever they want. Some people said James Wiseman. Because they need a big yeah, game. but there could be a contention to to contend for a championship next year. Trade that pick. You got to trade it for somebody. Trade it for somebody. We'll take it. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> then package it and get the number one pick and get Anthony Edwards. I, honestly, I don't know a ton about Anthony Edwards. I saw him a little bit in high school. Um, they were calling him the next James Harden. <laughs> I don't see it. But. Now. The Warriors might also still take Lamelo Ball and just. So my brother-in-law wants us to take Lamelo Ball if we get if we had a top pick. Um, I don't see that. I, I get the the skills. I get the like the allure. He's what six seven, six almost yeah. six eight. Penny Hardaway comparisons. Yeah, he's not as big like girth wise. Penny Hardaway is muscular. Lamelo's kind of skinny, but that fits nowadays. You don't want big players, bulky players. But like yeah, six seven, six eight. Great ball handling skills. He can pass. He can shoot. Um, I don't know how good he is at defense. I've heard some people say take Archie Hampton over him, but I don't know. Sorry, guys. We 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 love basketball, <laughs> but yeah. So we talk a little bit of basketball on here to mm-hmm. see what the. I I just don't want the people the to turn off the. Right. Don't turn it off. We we we, we kind of know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, let's see. Where did the Hawks fall? That's what I'm looking for here. Um, It's not saying. Just our luck. We don't even get a pick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Doesn't say here. Oh, oh, well. Is the lottery over yet? Yeah, it just ended. Oh, okay. It just ended. But hopefully the Hawks have a top five. I mean, they had the fourth best odds, and you out of the fall out of the top five. That was suck. Well, I've never wanted to be one of those like Atlanta is cursed. <sighs> Maybe that's just our luck, man. Maybe we ain't meant to have nice things. There was no one at the top of the draft that you had to take, or you you got to trade somebody. Whoever you take, you got to trade somebody who's already on the roster. If you if you draft Lamelo Ball. Dare I say you got to trade Trey Young? You can't have them both on the team at the same time. NBA 2K makes it work. <laughs> NBA 2K somehow makes it work. Every time, anytime I've, they make it work. We are number six. Yeah, 
We got All right, I got I got to look this up, and we'll, then we'll go to your earworm. Yes, Minnesota, Golden State, Charlotte, Chicago, Cleveland, um, Atlanta, Detroit, New York, Washington, Phoenix, San Antonio, Sacramento, New Orleans, um, Boston, and Orlando. What the lottery goes? What fifteen? Um, the lottery is. Um, 14. For, oh, yeah, because Orlando made the playoffs. Or playoffs. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that's the first round. <clears throat> oh, this this has James Wiseman falling in number seven. Oh, you look at the mock drafts? Yeah. I mean, if you're going by need, Killian Hayes. I don't know much about him. Okay, that's another point guard. No guards. The Hawks don't need guards. Oh no, that's not who. The, that's the that's the um, that's the Bulls. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, Onieka Ogonguwu. Oh, out of USC, he went to Chino Hills with <clears throat> with uh, the Ball Brothers, I think. Okay. Or he went to Chino Hills. I know that. I don't know if he played with them, but um, who is that kid out of uh, Washington that was supposed to be like the next? Um, I can't think Markel of Markel Fultz? No. Um, if I see his name, I'll... Jaden McDaniels? Yes. Oh, he fell hard. He was really touted coming out, but I guess he just didn't do that well. Yeah, there were a lot of people touting him up. Isaiah Wash- Stewart was the same way. Vernon Carey Jr., I heard a lot about him. Nico Manny was another guy I heard about. Cole Anthony at 20 to Miami. I guess you just... Yeah, if you're going by need... R.J. Hampton at 15. Mm. So, yeah, they're thinking like I'm thinking. Um, I, on this on this tankathon or whatever that I'm on, they got uh, James Wiseman going to <laughs> going number two. Now, this one has him going number seven. But I'm just wondering, like, this, do you this trade hasn't been, him? They, they haven't updated this in a couple of weeks. But not that I don't think any they, any major changes, but they should have an update tomorrow with the, uh, the draft positions. Okay, let's get to your Irma of the Week. This is... Waiting by Sugar Ray, and we'll be right back. Waiting for the night. Waiting for the night to change your ways. Not a cloud in the sky But my view 
Waiting by Sugar Ray from their self-titled album. Uh, for anyone who wants to know what, what the single was, I Answer the Phone was from this album. I remember that song. <laughs> that was the single? That uh, was the single. <laughs> they used to use that. I'm pretty sure they wrote that for Motorola because I think that was used in Razor commercials. Probably. Yeah. Damn, they really did sell out. <laughs> Jesus. I'm looking at pictures of this guy they think we're going to draft, whose name I can't say. If we draft him, I got to practice it. Got to practice it. Denny Av- Avija? No, or Avija? Um, Onyaka. Onyeka on Congo. Yeah, that dude. Yeah. I'll look at some more. But anyway, so... Um, we started this particular episode with the song One Step Beyond by Madness. And for those of you who claim to be 80s music fans, probably only know them for our house. Um, In the middle of the street. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Now I see the rest of the lottery. Yeah. Uh, uh, whatever. So um, we're going to be talking a little bit about the era of two-tone music, uh, a hybrid of punk uh ska and reggae Mm -hmm. uh ska is also like part reggae anyway so um, which was something i i did not realize how deep the roots of ska were in jamaica yeah i thought ska was and i guess this is my ignorance for not doing the research i thought ska was like an american bastardization of reggae (laughs) California reggae. That's what no, it's for real. That's what that, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, like Americans. I thought, it, I thought it was too. Doing reggae. I thought ska was was American. Was an American. Because you hear about it mostly brand. with, with there's a lot of American bands that play it. Yeah. Um, a lot of them from California. <laughs> so I just assumed I was like, oh yeah, this is clearly you know yeah, but no, it, it has deeper roots in Jamaica, which just further strengthens our <laughs> our resolve that. All music is black music. And it's black nothing, music, man. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, Doesn't mean we don't like white artists. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we um, we watched the uh, documentary for the BBC, and they have so many of these. Yes, they do. But it was one called, uh, they watched the one called Two-Tone Britain. Um, I think it's. It could have been expanded upon. I mean, yeah. that's a lot to pack in and, and 49 minutes. Mm-hmm. But uh, it kind of gives you kind of an overview of how the uh, how that era came to be. Uh, starting with you know, the uh, influx, I guess you'd say, of Jamaican immigrants in the 40s and 50s. Yeah. So the black kids that were got involved in music in England – they're the 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 first generation, I guess you'd say, of Jamaicans, of British Jamaicans growing up yeah. there. Which there's a lot of those though, and I get I guess I've always known it, but it's not something that I really thought about. Yeah, which could also explain why there is a love of black music over there, is because of the influx of immigrants from Jamaica, as well as there's a lot of them from Africa that come in as well. Right. And I, I think maybe that could, you know, might explain it. Because I know we talk about that quite a bit, how there's an appreciation for black music over there. Yeah. Um, and I think watching this documentary kind of gave me an idea. Oh, OK. That's where a lot of it came from. You see the musicians, you know, they're interviewing, you know, musicians who are like, we would listen to what they did. And 
they're doing this in four track studios and we can't do that. <laughs> so how do we do that? You know, and that admiration kind of comes about of like, we want to be like them because they're really skilled at what they do. Yeah, it was uh, definitely the, the the ones that they talked to who got there, who got started in music, listening to different things. And if you really, if you really wanted it, mm-hmm. uh, you would try to find out how they, like the guy turned over like, Oh, so how did they make that sound with the guitar? And yeah. it was it was just it was like what an echo or something. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they, they tried to play it in real time. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't do it. <laughs> it was, but that part of it was interesting. Um, yeah, because <laughs> I feel back. I thought it was gonna be like they don't like they only like black people, but like black musicians um, have just always kind of had this air of just being extremely skilled musicians. Yeah. And black music has always kind of had this air of just being really hard music to play, typically because musicians are so skilled. So seeing how, you know, they reacted to to that on there, just it kind of made me smile. It made me smile as a black musician. Made me smile. Um, I made some notes here and uh, as well, the next note I had was, well, definitely skinheads mean something different in America. Uh, but then it kind of sounded like, okay, the skinheads means the same thing. That's what I thought. So I was like, <laughs> skinhead reggae? Um, huh? <laughs> so, like, I was, yeah. so I thought maybe like when they said skinheads were into it, I was like, oh, okay. so, so they're not racist. They just like to shave their head like the black people. And then you find out, oh, no, they're racist. They like to shave they, their head like the black they, people. They like, they like the black people. <laughs> they don't like Pakistani people. <laughs> Yeah, it was weird. So you like you like black people, but you don't like brown people. Gotta hate that doesn't somebody. make any sense. Gotta hate somebody. <laughs> gotta, gotta. <laughs> and, and that's what it got. Like you had like I, I wrote selective racism. Yeah, <laughs> is that what this is? Um, but yeah, they. Uh, I got a sense of that these all the kids just wanted somewhere to belong, and the mm-hmm. way you dressed like kind of reflected what kind of person you were. Like the yeah. fashion part was so important. It really was. You shaved your head, oh, you're a skinhead. Yeah. Oh, if you wear a suit, oh, you're you're a mod. If you wore, you know, if you had your hair cut a certain way, you're a punk or, yeah, a, or pork a mod. Pie. <laughs> if you wore the pork pie hat, oh, you're a... Are they the Rude Boys? You're the Rude pork Boys. Pie? Yeah. yeah, Rude Boys. So... uh the the fashion part was so important that mm-hmm. you know like that one guy said look if you if you're from the suburbs and you had you dyed your hair blue and you came up here yeah. you might not make it out oh, alive yeah. <laughs> I was just so, like what <laughs> so like if you whatever fashion choices you made yeah that was crucial crucial Very to your crucial. survival possibly I'm like what is going on in the 70s and the 80s in the UK man like, <laughs> <laughs> Like, man, it was uh, definitely um, a crazy time to where, like, it, it came down to that. Um, uh, what what notes did you have? So um, one thing I just I had to mention. Um, so talking about the skinheads and their fashion choices, you know, the boots, skinheads yeah. with the with the Lee with the Levi's that were rolled up <laughs> and the boots. <laughs> and it just it made me think of the song by Black Sabbath, Fairy Wear, Fairies Wear Boots, which was their 
don't know if you want to call it a protest song. It's really just a hate song against skinheads. And yeah. I remember the first time I heard the song, I didn't understand the meaning, and I looked it up. And then to see them, and it's just like these idiots. They just look like idiots, like pimple-faced idiots, and these like Doc Martens um, going to going to reggae concerts. It was just, it just didn't, it didn't fit. Oh yeah, this is so. That's a very long intro <laughs> until it gets to the part where he says, "Fairies wear boots," and you gotta believe me. <laughs> I love Black Sabbath, man. I'm not even gonna front though. I just heard this song earlier this year at a concert. I heard some band cover it, and I was just like, "What is this?" And I looked up the title, and that's when Kevin was like, "You don't know that was from Paranoid." And I was like, "I know that album. Why don't I know that song?" So. Yeah, it's a good song. This one they still had uh, Ozzy. Yeah, apparently they they didn't like seeing heads. <laughs> there was a uh, they didn't get much into it. I mean, I, I I guess if I were British, I would probably get an understanding more of who this guy was. But they talked about Enoch Powell. Yeah, so that was another part of this that I know I know some of these references probably went over our heads. Yeah, and to the point of where I didn't even know which ones to really look up. So some of the stuff just kind of you know, mm-hmm. went right, right by me. Who is that exactly, Enoch Powell? Should we know who he is? Well, it seemed like he was a guy who, uh, I, the the one clip that they showed was that he would, he said that uh, we were going to come to a time where the uh, the black man is, is going, he, he will have more power than the white man. Mm. Um, so he, he was, uh, he was a politician, um, and he was a conservative member of parliament. And um, okay, it says while the he uh, it was a speech he made in the '60s, known as the Rivers uh, Rivers of Blood speech, mm-hmm. which is probably where that clip may have come from. Yeah, it criticized then current rates of immigration in the UK, especially from the new Commonwealth, and opposed the then proposed anti discrimination legislation race relations bill. In response, Conservative Party leader Edward Heath sacked Powell from his position as shadow defense secretary in the conservative opposition. The speech was immediately considered by many as a blatant demonstration of racism, drawing sharp criticism from his own party and from the press. While Powell did not consider himself a racist, The Economist claimed in an editorial on the 50th anniversary of the speech that his rhetoric had a lasting and malign effect on the way in which race and migration are discussed or not discussed. Hmm. Sounds very similar to the, um, not to go down to much of a rabbit hole, like the Great Replacement Theory. Um, if you want to know what that is, people just go look it up. We're not going to talk yeah, about it yeah, on here. Right. Yep. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said, well, the expression came from where he, he quoted um, Virgil's Inaid, the poem, the epic poem. I've I've seen the name I have not read, but he quote he says, "As I look ahead, I am filled with foreboding, like the Roman. I seem to see the river Tiber 
foaming with much blood. Hmm. So he was afraid the blacks were going to come and take over. Uh, basically, that's what he was saying. It. He didn't think that was racist, but that that was <laughs> that was clearly racist. Um. So I think that with kind of how these bands were formed, there was an effort by this particular generation of like the the first generation of uh, Jamaican um, immigrants and. Yeah, uh, well, the British raised Jamaican um the British raised Jamaicans. Yeah. <laughs> uh and these white kids getting along, there was an effort by them to get along. Yeah. Or it, it was an effort to you know, we just want to party. We have just want to party and have, have a good time. Yeah. We want to make music. So, you know, you you saw bands like The Specials in which you got uh, a white lead singer and two black lead singers. And the black people are just very energetic and dancing around. Yeah. They might be playing horns. <laughs> they might be singing back up. But really until I'm trying to think of the name of the female lead singer, you didn't see a lot of black lead singers in those bands. Oh, she was the um, lead singer of the Body Snatchers. Yes, yes. The all-female group. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, maybe, you know, one of the things I mentioned was you remove some of the blackness away from it to make working class whites like it. Rhoda Dakar. And, That's who that was. And that kind of made me think of, well, I mean, I guess, you know, and I mean, it's, it's kind of that way in America. You know, you appease you know, you appease the, I guess, the people with the perceived spending power. In this case, you know, they said you remove a lot of the black elements of it um, or minimalize them to make it more appeasing to working class whites. And it was kind of, you know, to me, I was like, well, the more things change, the more they say the same. That still that still happens to well, this yeah, day. That, and, and yeah, they got that with the um, we're talking about the rude boy fashion. Yeah. Which is it's. I had to look up more history on how how that became how that fashion is considered rude boy. Mm-hmm. Like you're wearing a suit. Yeah. Well, I wasn't <laughs> even familiar with what a rude boy was. Yeah. Looked it up, and I saw like a lot of Jamaicans in leather, <laughs> like leather jackets and and hats, pork pie hats. And I was like, okay, is this where it kind of came from? But I get they, <laughs> but it was taken that they took more of that. Um, more of that fashion instead of the Rasta, Rasta, the Rasta fall, yeah. uh, fashion so white people would feel mm-hmm. safe. Or better, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah. that was that was interesting. Um, and, it, it, yeah, it's... So, I, but I just felt like kind of as a result, you didn't have a lot of black-fronted bands. No. Um and then, of course, the talk of and I don't, hopefully I'm not getting too far ahead here. The talk of um, the lead singer of Madness, whose name I did not write down, but how people apparently people uh, Nazis gra- uh, gravitated towards that band because they were the only all white two tone band. <laughs> and I could have swore I saw someone black in Madness, but I don't. I I mean, what am I? I don't remember. Uh, the lead singer is. Um... Who look very good Suggs. for his age. Graham Suggs. Well, he's known as Suggs. Graham yeah. McPherson, but he's known as Suggs. 
Uh, he's the lead singer, but yeah, like is, and I, I, and I, I'm pretty sure that the band didn't think of it that way, that that's why they're getting, that's why people are coming to their shows or why some people like them is because there are no black people in there. <laughs> <laughs> Which it would be a scary thought. I wouldn't want that at all. But especially when you're playing music so inspired by black people and black yeah. culture. Um, but I mean, like, honestly, if, if, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about this, I mean, the bands, I feel like there were equal parts, you know, from, from the punk scene and from the reggae ska scene, which to me makes it like, you know, that perfect marriage of a, of what a good genre should be. A little bit of here, a little bit of here. Neither, neither style of music I felt, you know, overwhelmed or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. Which made it enjoyable to me. Yeah. Like, like you, you could hear each individual genre. I, I thought you could hear each individual genre. And then of course, like you said, how they all came together. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like Sky was like, okay, this is punk music with brass instruments. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what it, that. yeah. And that's even, and it was funny because I was thinking, uh, uh, some of the some punk music from back then is different from what you hear nowadays, but ska is one of those styles that really has kind of endured and hasn't changed that much. Whereas, like you know, like the Clash, who they talked about, you know, sharing the stage with two tone bands, yeah, does not sound like a lot of punk nowadays, um, because the genre has there's something flying around <laughs> in my face. Um, um, the genre itself has just evolved, but the genre of ska has evolved a little bit. But for the most part, like you can pick out ska music from the '80s and the '70s, and still it sounds like it does today. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. Um, what do you think of like the they talk about with the fashion that how it was important of the like what you wore, or how mm-hmm. you cut your hair, or whatever? What do you did you get any sense of like? What do you think of like how people like tied their identity to to how they dressed? Like I felt like it was very important to belong somewhere, to yeah. belong to something, to be a part of something at that time. No, you're right. And it's I I feel like it's still kind of that way because music and fashion have always kind of had, you know, you've always kind of had them tied at the hip, if if you will. So the one of the more obvious ones that kind of really became the butt of a joke is flannel and grunge. Yeah. You know, if you bought flannel, like, oh, you must be, you know, are you in Pearl Jam? Like, they just kind of became tied at the hip. And with, I mean, and honestly, two-tone, mostly in America, and I know we keep saying, I keep saying that because, I mean, we're looking at this from American eyes. We're not from the UK. But I've always felt like, like new wave and some early eighties music kind of that, that look. So, you know, during this, I was waiting for Elvis Costello to be mentioned because yeah. I would have thought that Elvis Costello was a two tone artist because of the way that he dresses. He kind of, he, he, you know, he's a little bit more colorful in his style than maybe like a rude boy suit, like how they had, like his most of their suits were like dark with a pork pie hat, but Elvis Costello still dressed like that. So I would have thought that he was a two tone artist based on, that and I was waiting for them to talk about him and I know he he produced um 
was it the Selector album or the specials? There was an album he produced, and they thought that was cool. Um, and I wrote down his name, and I did not write down whose album he produced. In any case, to answer your question, I think that's just kind of how it's always been. Um, and then when you have styles of music like that that are that homegrown and grassroots, your identity is going to matter even more because the fans take such a, are, are, have such an integral part of building up a genre like that. It was a specials album. It was a specials. Those fa- fans like that have a very integral part of building up that fan of, of building up a genre, especially like that one. That was a very homegrown. Um, and then once, of course, the genre starts to starts popping, that's when the record labels start coming in because now they're like, oh, this is getting bigger and bigger. It's getting a bigger fan base. We need to start taking notice. And that's where I made my note that like it's hard to do it when it becomes a job. It's not a passion yeah. project anymore. It's a job. Like you gotta, you gotta sell. You gotta make. You know, we want to hear something. Well, snappy. like you heard in the in the, uh, in the documentary that it, when it became like you had to be like kind of a business person. Yeah, and they didn't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they wanted to make music and have a good time. Yeah, you know, and. Like fourteen people, they're all the director yeah. of the record what label. What the heck? <laughs> um, I, I think that they tried to. I think they just tried to like have equal share, equal say, um, equal responsibility. Mm-hmm. But well, one thing no one ever wants to admit yeah. in a band. I, I wrote they're young, creative, and business ignorant. Like they just don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Um, one thing people, especially when, because what you don't think about is if you're going to live and work as a professional musician, you've got to make money. And in order to make money, it's not enough just to write good music. You've got to be able to market that music. And 14 people is too many is, is 13 too many people to be making decisions on the direction of something. But when you have a band like that, where everyone's happy go lucky you don't want to be the person that has to make those tough decisions. So every band, unfortunately, does need someone that is business-minded, i.e. Um, uh, Michael Bivens in New, in New Edition. Yeah. You need someone that's business-minded. They only had to get screwed over once until they realized it. Um, and unfortunately for, you know, for these guys and gals with two-tone records, who knows? It, it probably could have been bigger if they had somebody really kind of, you know, steering the train rather than just continuing to be, which there's nothing wrong with continuing to be this grassroots, you know, movement. But it's going to be hard to sustain financially. You know, if you're OK playing, um, I'm, I didn't write down the name of the venue, but the really small venue that they played um, where, you know, he's like up against like each other, like, oh, you're just up against each other. Yeah. Six, seven people on stage because two tone bands were big at horn sections. You had keyboard players like mm-hmm. these are four pieces, man. There's like six, seven people in a band. If you don't mind playing those types of venues, you know, for the rest of your days, then by all means. But if you want to get the bigger venues and, and get more money to do what you like, you know, you got to have some business sense. But then you also run the risk of being called a sellout because. Once again, this is a genre that the fans. So, you know, we, we talk about 
the way that you dress is very important to your identity when it comes to music and your background, your story is very important to your fans because if they were there from the beginning and they saw your struggle, they want to be there to help you reap the rewards, but they want you to keep your what they would consider integrity. They don't want you to to, you know, take big record label money and make songs that they can't identify with anymore. They don't like that. When in actuality, you should be happy that your favorite band is getting more money to do what they love to do. But that's not how it goes. And with a genre like this that's so tied to a, to the fan base, it's, you know, how do you how do you do that? How do you make it a big thing without betraying what what it started out as? Yeah. And and when I, I say guess, betraying, I mean in their eyes, because I don't think they're the betraying anything eyes. in the fans' eyes, because that's yeah. how fans and are. It's kind of weird to like, well, what are the expectations of exactly. the fans? Exactly. Yeah. Well, the fans always want them to be the small, you know, like, you know, it, this. And so this is why, to go a little off topic, this is why industry plants are such a big thing right now. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know what an industry plant is, an industry plan is somebody who people accuse of um, they didn't struggle to make it. They were backed by a record company. I saw a video the other day that accused Haley Williams of Paramore of being a, an industry plant. Because apparently, and this I did not know, apparently this is all true, Columbia Records wanted to sign her and her alone. They did not want to sign Paramore. Haley would not go on without Paramore. So... Haley Williams had a separate record contract from Paramore. She was signed to Columbia. Paramore was signed to Fuel by Ramen. Never knew that. Hmm. So people call her an industry plant because they said that, oh, you didn't really come up with Paramore. They just, you were Haley and they just found Paramore and put you behind it. The same thing with the guy from Cartel. Apparently, a lot of people accuse him of that. Now people are accusing Billie Eilish of it. And there's a few other rappers people are accusing of it because and you don't see this, you know, with like typically I know Haley is pop now, but you don't see this with popular forms of music because no one really cares, which is why I'm surprised that they're doing it with Billie Eilish, maybe because she feels personal to people. But you typically see it in genres where um, the, the, the fans feel closer, like fans of hip hop. Are you typically uniquely hip hop fans and they have a connection? Rock fans, same way. Two tone fans, the same way. So they want to know that their artists came from where they said they came from. And I imagine, in addition to your dress and the grassroots part of it, you know, being important, I imagine if you weren't from that region, like I'm trying to think, were there any American two tone artists? No. Because they probably won't be called two tone. No. They'd be called. <laughs> they'd be called something else. <laughs> and it's just because there's just so many things that go into these types of and the the fan bases are just are so. They're just so. I mean, they're loyal as hell. But like you said, what are the what are your expectations for me to play these small venues for the rest of my life? <laughs> <laughs> well, playing only the kind of music that you like, you know. And I found myself, I don't know how you feel, but I found myself being that way before. And I had to kind of get myself out of that mentally and understand that musicians change. <laughs> Artists change, you know, you're not going to if you're still making at 40 the same album you made at 20, you have not grown. <laughs> like this, like I, I saw 
Childish Gambino perform at Variety Playhouse. Wow. <laughs> I could not get tickets to see him at Infinite Energy Arena. Yeah. Because he's not the same as <laughs> He's not the same performer. He blew up. It's not the same person. <laughs> yeah. And his music has has evolved. Right. It's changed. You know, he's he's a lot more creative now. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, you probably have those artists that, like, I want Campfire. Well, you're not getting Campfire. Sorry. <laughs> you might not even get Because of the Internet anymore. <laughs> no. You're probably not going to get that. So... I imagine with this, with this, and I know this, this just kind of went all over the place. And if you're still listening, thank you for taking that journey with us. But like with these, with this type of music, watching this documentary, seeing these fans um, and even the artists who some of them look like they're still kind of living that this life. Like they interviewed a few of them and they look like they're still kind of like, you know, they're in the scene. Like they could <laughs> throw on a suit throw on some trousers or whatever and, and get right back in it. They're still kind of living in it, but that's when you have that style of music, you live that style of music. Well, some people like, um, I think they just talked to one guy from, uh, he was in the specials. Um, I'm trying to think, was he the guy that, uh, thick Jamaican accent with the dreads sitting from the drum kit? Uh, no, that's, um, that's Rankin Roger from the beat. Okay. That's okay. The guy yeah. wearing the baseball cap, I think he had a blonde afro. Yes. I think that was Neville Staple mm-hmm. from the specials. Uh him and Terry Hall and Linville Golding from the specials. They went and formed Fun Boy Three. Uh if mm-hmm. anybody remembers that <laughs> band. Um they they uh did the song Our Lips Were Sealed before the Go Go's covered it. Nice. Actually, Terry Hall wrote it with Jane Wheedland from the Go-Go's, but the Fun Boy 3 did that song first. Um, but they went off and formed their own band, their own like new wave <clears throat> pop band. Uh, so maybe they saw it as, hey, we got to um, uh they they went out they went they kind of like left the ska arena yeah. to to uh, form this group and maybe they saw it as well we we're not we're not making any money yeah <laughs> and you know Jerry Dammers who I guess founded the specials or he coined at least coined the term two tone he was the one producing um, all their stuff and. Uh, they they wanted to get away from that, I yeah. guess. Get from under that. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it's... So the one thing about it, and I hope no one takes this as a fence, it can get, it can get repetitive. <laughs> I mean, like, the most... To me, the most creative part about reggae music in general, reggae, um, and then, I guess, by proxy, two-tone, are the bass lines and the horn sections. If you're a guitar player in one of those bands, you're bored to tears. <laughs> <laughs> you just start, you're, you're bored to tears. The bass player is having a ton of fun. The horn section is having fun. The drummer's having fun. If you're playing guitar, you're not having that much fun. Um, but, you know, I feel like you can only go so far, you know? 
because after a while, kind of the songs kind of start to kind of sound the same. <laughs> yeah. After a while, um, and so yeah, you know, but like you go to a a, a genre like new wave, it's, it's new, it's edgy, and the instrumentation is all over the place. You can do anything, man. Sky's the limit. <laughs> Sorry, I had it backwards. The Go Go's did the song first. Okay. But Terry Hall did co co write the song. Um, another note I had was um, uh, they didn't talk to Jerry Dammers, but man, it would have been great if they would have. Mm-hmm. Because he was the driving force behind the specials. Why do you think they maybe didn't talk to him? Well, they they've they broke up. He broke up the band, and they've gotten back together a few times. But each time, he he has not been involved in any kind of reunion. Hmm. Probably didn't want to. Uh, but he is credited with, um, I guess, kind of defining what the the two tone sound was with their album more specials and the song if you, you listen to the song ghost town yeah that's a i've heard that before i didn't realize i'd heard it before has it been sampled a lot because it sounds like it's been sampled quite a bit also i i'm not sure that it has um i remember looking at him and thinking like he is he has stereotypical uk teeth <laughs> 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 i feel bad thinking that but it's just like jesus <laughs> I I was not thinking that. But yeah, that like when I heard that song, I was like, this sounds like a song that I've heard sampled in a in a rap song or something. Let's um, see. Uh it's been sampled by the Gorillas and that's the most famous sample. Uh and it's been covered a couple of times, but no major, no big time samples. Oh, then it's just a good melody then, because um, that doo, 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 I like. I was like, I've heard that somewhere before. Um, so that's something I actually kind of wanted to to touch on a bit too. Um, I felt like they were getting some pretty cool sounds for that time of of time, I guess. <laughs> for that for that time, you know, like. The guitar sounded great. We're gonna play a little bit. bit Yeah, go ahead. Based off of, if I remember correctly, harmonic minor. (laughs) <laughs> harmonic minor scale which gives you that middle eastern sound um see what I mean though guitar player board of tears movement everywhere else though like movement <laughs> everywhere else <laughs> Uh, yeah, I could, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. and I, and I kind of speak just from you, you're playing, speaking from experience. Yeah, though. playing in a reggae band for a limited <laughs> amount of time. Josh and I, shout out to Josh, wherever he is, man. 
yeah, it can, you know. But you're not the main, you know, like in most other forms of, of instrument-driven music, the guitar is the, you know, is the the main feature, but not in not in this style of music. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, like everything else around it sounds great. Like that bass, the bass line was great. The um, keyboard sounded great. The horn sounded good. Like this is a really well done recording and I love it. And I love a lot of what they were doing with, you know, of course, when they started out, a lot of them were using four track studios. The Body Snatchers talking about like our first record, we were in a 24 track studio. (laughs) It's just like, I imagine back in the 80s, if you were never done that before, that's kind of daunting. <laughs> yeah. In a 24-track studio. Um, but they got really great sounds out of music that they didn't sound like they put a ton of money into. But you had to be good musicians to do that, you know? Yeah. It, it definitely took that to kind of pull to, to pull it off. Um, I wanted to ask you this because uh, I wrote down this question because one of the um, – I, I can't remember her name, but it was she. She directed Bend It Like Beckham yes. and Bride and Prejudice. Yes. Uh, of course, she grew up listening to to this music, and she talked about like how she wore the she wore the clothes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she wore the suit. She had the hat and all that. <laughs> and I didn't she mentioned or somebody mentioned that other kids started to dress like the these bands. Yeah. And I'm like, were teens that easily influenced? And then I wonder, were we that easily influenced? Oh, yeah, I was. I'm not even going to front. Yeah. Because one of the things I always say about teenagers, and I try to think back to my mindset back then, you want to belong. Yeah. So kind of like how we said, you know, they're looking for somewhere that they belong. And if all you got to do is dress like somebody to belong, like, I remember back in high school, do you remember those Old Navy tech vests? Yeah. I bought some of those because <laughs> kids at my school were wearing them. Um, same thing with, like, cargo shorts, <laughs> plaid shirts, like, the whole thing. You know, it's like you want to you wanna fit in. Like, I saw it on a commercial or, you know, the popular person at school is wearing it. It's just like, you know, and I, I didn't necessarily have musicians to look up to to wear it, not until I was in college at least because, you know, I felt like I didn't have enough access to them until, you know, later years. But yeah, man, like I was easily influenced by that type of stuff. I want a pair of Reebok classics. <laughs> like I just straddled this like weird line of like white kid, black kid, man. It was, it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it just got me thinking about that. Like, I mean, do you think I, you were? <laughs> I feel like I might've been, I guess it might've been with like the, um, the throwback jerseys. Oh, I had those. Yeah. Um, and uh, the certain brand of jeans like mm, Tommy, yeah, uh, Tommy gotta have the a, labels. Yeah, <laughs> the label had to be shown in some way so people would know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, maybe I, I didn't, I, I didn't. I was thinking like, was I that easily influenced to where I saw and like, oh, I gotta wear that or. Or was it like something gradual over time? I don't oh, know. I know from the I, it might it might have been really quick. <laughs> I had to have mommy, mommy. I want a jersey. <laughs> I wasn't even like really watching basketball like that, but I had a Charles Barkley jersey like in elementary school. Yeah. So <laughs> don't know <yeah>. why. <laughs> um. And well, I didn't. Uh, did you have any other notes? I just had one more. I had a, I had a few more. Um, let me see here. 
Did my computer just freeze? No, it did not. Um, so, so they talk about music at the time, which I thought was interesting because um, I've always heard about Margaret Thatcher, but did not know about a lot about her. And she seems like, I don't want to compare her to like, like the antithesis of Reagan almost. Like it wasn't like fun and good times. It was like ironclad, it seemed. A lot of protests, a lot of rioting in um, in Britain back then. And it looked very familiar to what we're in right now. Yeah. And it, it makes me wonder like what's bubbling under the surface here because two-tone was kind of bubbling under the surface there. You know, do we have something like that happening here? And, you know, would it be as new and fresh as that was? You know, is it going to be music that tries to unite people? Because I felt like for the most part, like you kind of said, it's black kids and white kids trying to come together. They're finding common ground. They want to have fun. And in an era of time in the UK where like eh, things are kind of bleak. I I don't see it. I don't I don't feel that there is something underground. That makes me sad. I, but that's the, that is also the nature too, of music really. nowadays, though, you know, like I, I, I don't I mean, I don't want to believe that we've seen everything under the sun, but it kind of feels that way. I mean, it might just be a matter of that that particular artist or that particular band that may be coming up mm-hmm. rather than a genre. Yeah. But uh it's 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 hard to say um, that there is that artist or or band that's going to, in a way, bring people together, even if it's for a short time. Yeah. Because uh, my la- my last note that I made was racism just skipped a generation in the UK. Yeah. Um, because there they they talked about how, uh, you know the 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 acts like the beat and. Madness, Selector, they're going, getting back out there, mm-hmm. even though this is from 2004, but still, yeah. uh, they were getting back out there because they, they saw times were going back to what they were. That's, mm-hmm. They felt times were going back to what they were before. Yeah. And they want to see what they can do to, to stop that. Yeah. Um, and... I think in 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 the case here in America is that times haven't exactly changed. It's just that illusion that it's yeah. changed. Um, you know, it's like some people say, uh, same song, different verse. Yeah, <laughs> like something to that effect. Um, so, oh, it's it's hard it it's hard to say that that something is is coming or that something is going to come along to change it. Yeah. But it's um I wanna hold out hope. I don't think it's a totally new genre. I don't so think I, there's anything that like that. Yeah. Like that, but I, I do believe that there's something. I think the closest we've come to a two tone type sound was rap rock. Where we new took metal. something that yeah, new metal rap rock where we took something that was uniquely white, uniquely black, and we put it together. And called it something new, <laughs> you know. Bands like Corn, you know, doing a song with you know Far Side and Ice Cube, or Limp Biscuit doing a song with Method Man, or you know, insert 
you know, rap rock band, you know, Zach, well, not Zach De La Roca, he's not a band, but Rage Against the Machine, who really didn't do a lot of collaborations. He just did a song with Run the Jewels. But, you know, all these bands kind of taking, you know, music that was uniquely one thing and uniquely the other thing. And, of course, we kind of saw it bubbling in the 90s. And then it just full force in, you know, for that little bit of time in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and it makes me wonder, like, you know, with this melding, because you're seeing more, like we talked last episode, more rappers who were raised on rock music. Yeah. And bringing that, that genre in. And you're all, I think you're also seeing younger fans who grew up on both types of music accepting it. They're like, oh, yeah, this is kind of cool. Like, you've always had... You've always had people who liked one or the other, not one or the other, they would like both. Yeah. But there wasn't always a, a really good mixing of it until rap rock came along and then rap rock kind of became a joke <laughs> yeah. and went away for a bit. And now, in a way, it's kind of coming back, only it's not rap rock, it's rock rap, maybe. <laughs> it's been reversed because now it's rap bringing in rock versus rock bringing in rap. So maybe we'll get like a two tone esque kind of thing like that. I don't know. It has to be somebody who like kind of who like fully embraces it though. Yeah. Because um it's the 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 rock part that we're getting is more of the persona. Yeah. More of the 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 attitude. Mm-hmm. Um the aesthetic. If you will. If okay. you will. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> of uh for the for the artist. Uh, not necessarily anything musical, mm-hmm. uh, but it'll have to be somebody who also embraces the musical part of it. Like I, I'm not hearing any electric guitars in any of these songs. A little bit, a little bit, very little. mostly Travis Barker though, which is he's a drummer, but he, he's playing. But with he's the like everybody. When, if you want, if you want to appeal to the rock audience as a rapper, <laughs> get Travis Barker. We're still doing, we've been doing that for like 15 years. Yeah, as far back as uh, what, the We Ain't Going Nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, man. Travis Barker's like, have drums, we'll travel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That would be funny because they're like the elder statesmen of, of punk rock. <laughs> yeah, they are. What's my age again? It was a long time ago. High school <laughs> in Mother State. They're the they're the elder statesmen of that music. But um, also, I thought it was interesting. The um, <laughs> well, two more two things really. So there is a uh, two tone revival band <laughs> in the UK. Yeah. That was funny. It just kind of seemed like one of those things where it's like. It was a great music. How big was it really in the UK? I don't know. But to me, it's kind of like I'm trying to think of like a a, a a version or a style of music here that was like, yeah, it was big for a little bit. And, you know, it's like, but we made a revival out of it. And it's just like, oh, there's a few people that go see it. But uh, times are tough. <laughs> I feel like it, the closest would be like, like Ghost Town was a huge hit yeah. in the UK. Uh, I think in in America, I feel it could be like, oh man, those like uh, those synth pop acts, but it was just two people. <laughs> the Gary Newman tribute, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. The Baltimore tribute. <laughs> Come here, let's the play so- Tarzan. The soft Boy. cell tribute band. 
We're gonna cover bald we're gonna play Tarzan Boy five times in a row. Just keep it going. <laughs> um I thought that was interesting. And then of course, so of course when you mentioned, hey, let's do you know, let's watch this two tone documentary and talk about it, they mention at the end the band The Streets. Yeah. A band that um because wow, that that made me feel old. That took, like, me back <laughs> that took me back because that took me back to West Georgia. <laughs> I had a phase where I was into Brit slang and and Brit music for some reason, and I remember the streets. Was this when Mean Girls came out and you were trying to use Fetch? This was before that. This was okay. when I was on Face Party, um, which was a UK site, <laughs> and I would go on there and, and chat with people and I started using words like fit. <laughs> and, and I found out how bad of a word wanker really is to the point yeah. of where they would censor it in their chat rooms. Didn't realize it was that bad of a word. But um, I remember listening to the streets and when they mentioned them, I was like, I think that was my first experience with two-tone is hearing the streets, not realizing that's what it was. And then now watching this documentary and realizing, oh, crap, like they're they've got some influence there. Is this my God? You're fit. No, you know it. Fit, but you know no, it. Yeah. See, I reckon you're about an eight or a nine, maybe even nine and a half in four beers time. That blue top so British. Got on is nice. Bit too much fake tan, no, but yeah, you score high. But there's just one little thing that's really, 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 really annoying me about you. You see? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, you are really fit, but my gosh. Don't you just know it? I'm not trying to <laughs> But yeah, I didn't realize that was kind of my first exposure with some of their music, like having some influence from Two Tone, but not realizing it because, you know, it was just <laughs> these British guys kind of sing rapping. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever they did. Britain is just ahead of their time. <laughs> They're usually ahead of the game. <laughs> um. So what do you think, like, how would... If, if someone asked you, you know, kind of to kind of sum this up, how would you look at that era of music or or with two tone music, mm-hmm. ska, however you look at it? Um, how would how would you view it overall as far as what what it is in the grand scheme of things? So I think because we're from here and it's over there. Um, to me, two-tone never really died. It just lived on in ska. Yeah. Um, because a lot of that ska music and some of the reggae stuff we hear nowadays, I think, carries a lot more influence. So the the comment I made about Gwen Stefani, I didn't want to give away our topic, but the comment about how Gwen Stefani is in a band that was heavily influenced by two-tone, I didn't, you know, didn't know it back then because I didn't know what two-tone was, but that first album, um... You know, they're like, it was a Sky album, but, like, there's a lot of keyboards in it. There's a horn section. It had the makeup of a two-tone band. So while it wasn't called two-tone, it was like a more aggressive take. If you took two-tone and just up the punk element of it. Yeah. I think that's kind of what you get with American Ska for the most part. You know, some of the bands have keyboards in them, but every Ska band has horns. Every ska band has really talent, a really talented rhythm section, and at least, at the very least, a good drummer and a good bass player, and they might add in a keyboard player. Um, and so I think that's it. Just kind of lives on here. It's just a little bit more aggressive than the two tone that you might have heard. 
So maybe they don't, you know, which I guess some people would say is American. <laughs> we make mm-hmm. things more aggressive. But I think that's kind of its legacy or its influence, really. Because um, it, you know, I, I had never really known much about this genre of music. And reading about it, it seemed, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it seemed like the music was not as big as maybe they were trying to make it seem like in this. It still seemed kind of underground. But it was just like really good underground. But it never really, I didn't realize Ghost Town was that big of a hit. And I looked it up on Spotify and saw the plays. I was like, that's a lot of plays for a song I've never heard before. Yeah, I I think that uh, it was... Like in it in its time, it was it was an underground thing that some people broke through. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as it crossing over to America, it yeah it it had that short period of time where okay it was no doubts album, uh, cherry popping daddies, <laughs> oh man, mighty mighty boss tones, oh yeah. Um, there's a third band. Real Big Fish or somebody, somebody. Real Big Fish. I would even say Sublime. Sublime, yep, yep. Like I listen to Bad Fish and I I, I hear now, like knowing what Two-Tone is now, heavy influences from Two-Tone. So it <clears throat> the, the influence came over to some bands and uh, you hear it in their music clearly, but that was only for a short amount of time yeah. before other genres would take over and that mm-hmm. that that is the history of I wouldn't say the history of music around the world, but definitely in America, one genre basically kills another. Yeah. <laughs> so um, right now, trap is king, and um, uh, something will have to come along to kill trap. Yeah. Hurry, please. <laughs> Wherever you are. <laughs> so yeah. Um, well, that would do it for our discussion on. Uh, two-tone britain the bbc documentary you can find it on youtube um and there's also another one by noisy we didn't watch that one but they that you know if you want to get a little more information maybe they tell you a couple of other stories or something to that effect um so yeah so we'll get to my earworm of the week uh this is a british artist (laughs) all right then mate (laughs) Um, and I think he's been, oh yeah, he, he has made an appearance on the earworms segment before, um, with his cover of, um, paradise by Sade. Uh, but this is one of his newest singles actually just did a single with, um, channel trace and Robin, uh, called, uh, I forget. I forget the name of the song. It just came out like last week. <laughs> um, Impact. But this is a song uh, came out a couple months ago. It's called Chemicals, and uh, yeah, I really like it. So this, if it will come up, this is Chemicals by S. G. Lewis, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Say 
is Chemicals by S.G. Lewis. Okay. And uh, that is currently a single. Um, and you can find that on our BTT YHT Airworms playlist uh, on Spotify. That's a good one. Right now. Um, um, so uh, that will bring us to the end of this particular episode. Bum, 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 bum. Ben, can you tell the people where we can be found? Yes. <clears throat> me, 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 me. Um, so you can find us on facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. Um, you can also find us on the gram, um, a.k.a. IG, a.k.a. that company Facebook owns. Bet you didn't know that. All you youngsters out there. Uh-huh. Ah, uh, gotcha. Um, you can find us on there. Um, and you can also email us at gmail.com by the time you hear this at gmail.com. Now, the website, facebook.com slash by the time you hear this, is spelled with the word you. But the gram, as well as our email address at gmail.com, are spelled with the letter U, and that is because we're urban. Yes, we is. Um, um, excuse me. Yes, we are. We're urban, but we're not stereotypes. Um, now, if you want to listen to us on the go and uh, avoid the annoying busker on the subway that you should not be on because that's not safe. Rona's out there, people. Get off the subway. <clears throat> or if you're um, at work with an annoying coworker that um, keeps talking about conspiracy theories, I, I I don't know what conspiracy theories are out there. I don't know the good ones right now. Or maybe they're talking about how, like, you know, um, baseball should keep playing even though everyone seems to be getting infected. I don't know. That, that seems like something that someone might talk about, too, which is crazy. I don't know how they're going to play the football season. <laughs> no, I have no idea. Those like, are like some of the why, why biggest rosters, man. <laughs> College football. Oh, my God. It's like 100 people just playing the sport. <laughs> and you want to bring students on campus? Yeah, good luck. <laughs> um, so if you want to avoid all of that crap, <laughs> um, pick up your mobile device. And if you got an Android, check us out on Google Music or Google Podcasts or whatever weird thing they're doing. If you've got an Apple device um, on your iPhone, you can find us on the Apple Podcast app. Now, if you don't want to use either one of those, of course, you can find us on things like Satchel Podcast Player. Um, uh, Satchel Podcast Player, you can find us on CastBox, Overcast, um, TuneIn Radio, Listen Notes. You can find us on Auto Auto Radio. Auto Radio. Auto Radio. Yeah. I forgot to mention Listen Notes. L- yeah, Listen Notes with the show notes coming through. Clutch. Um, so, yeah, any of those podcast aggregate websites or apps you can find us on. I would suggest Googling your favorite and, and just seeing what works for you. You know, some of them, you can even get like an RSS feed on them. It's pretty cool stuff. So check it out. There's tons of them out there. Um, and then, of course, you know, leave us a review. Drop us a line. Any less than five stars. And we're going to assume that you're a hater. Yes. Um, I'm a little mad at him. He grew his hair back out. I'm not. Let me rephrase. I'm not mad. I just always thought he couldn't do it. <laughs> he wouldn't do it. That was the thing. He wouldn't do it. He said the story is when he he was he lived in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Then when he got the he was on highly questionable. He had he moved to Miami and he didn't feel like finding a new barber, so he started shaving his head. Gotcha. Because when I I just, I just turned on. We talk about Bomani Jones, by the way. I turned on. I was at work and something on ESPN came on. I was like, who is that? I I almost did not recognize him. And he has hair. 
it's weird. Uh, funny thing with that, and this is, I've mentioned West Georgia a couple of times, I did call and tell the story. Did it make it on the pod? Yeah, because uh, Rick, you've met Rick, um, he texted me. I haven't listened to the episode yet. <laughs> he texted me the link to the song that annoyed the crap out of me. <laughs> so I don't know. I know he had never heard the story before, but it must have made the show. I need to listen then. I haven't listened to it yet. So, that so I means, don't know their response. Okay, so you've made it on and I think Abe made it on there too. Yeah, once, Abe's, so. made, Abe's called in, yeah. I need to get I, I keep it going, keep it going. I gotta find a reason to get on. Um so yeah, but yeah, leave us a leave us a review. Um, we love to hear from you know from people. Yeah, yeah. You can't leave reviews on Spotify, can you? No, I don't think they have a section okay. for reviews. I yet. wouldn't be surprised if they get it sooner or later. But yeah, have you F- listened? Follow to it on on Spotify if you yeah. have it though. Have you listened to the Michelle Obama podcast? I haven't yet. I mean, I don't plan on it. <laughs> I feel like it just came out last week, but she's already got like six episodes. Like I'm too far behind. <laughs> yeah, they just drop them so fast. I've, I've got a. I've, she's got to get in line. I've got a lot of regulars I listen to. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, so we're gonna end the show with um a cover because I've said before I feel like the UK cares more about black music than America does, so. The English beat or the beat, they were the beat. They're the, in the UK, they're the beat. And to America, they're the English beat. That's hilarious. Uh, but they did a cover of Tears of a Clown. It was really good. And we're going to end the show with that. Uh, a two-tone classic, if you will. <laughs> and uh, thank you all very much for listening. And we'll talk to you very, very soon. Peace. 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 Thank you.